Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. Welcome to Location Matters. I'm Sarah Butler. For some of our subscribers, you might have realised that we've had a short hiatus from the podcast the last few months. There are a few reasons for this, but mainly this was so that we could work behind the scenes to prepare for some pretty amazing events and launches coming up. There's a lot to look forward to for the rest of 2019, like the Indigenous Mapping Workshop by Winyama, which is taking place in Perth next month, the launch of our new mapping products company, Lively, and events we're attending across Australia for the next six months. You can head to our website, www.ngis.com.au, or our social media channels to read a little more about what we've been up to lately. But also you should stay tuned into the podcast for more information about our activities. We've got some great episodes lined up over the next few months for you. But today on the podcast, we're joined by Alex Barron, Customer Engineer for Google Cloud, and Richard Green, Software Engineer at NGIS. And we'll be going to be talking about all things cloud and geospatial data, mainly how the power of cloud technology can be combined with geospatial data to help us make better business decisions. At the moment, we're living in a world where organisations are using location and maps to drive their business operations. Think about Uber. The entire Uber operation is based on the strength of its mapping capability for their customers. Or take, for instance, mining companies who use GIS and maps internally to track their assets, outline blast exclusion zones, or to monitor mine rehabilitation. All of this amounts to a huge amount of data being collected, and that data generally has a location element attached to it. But what do you do next? How do you derive meaning from that? How can you best process and visualize the information you've collected? Alex and Richard will delve deeper into how you can answer these questions via cloud technology. But first, let's just go back to basics for a minute. Alex, how would you describe the cloud to someone who really maybe doesn't understand what it is and particularly Google Cloud Platform and what products it offers? Hey, good day, Sarah. So when we look at what is the cloud, really we're looking at a set of resources that you can leverage to improve some of the techniques and things you've been doing with your business. A lot of the tools that are used by large enterprises and the big companies these days, they've got a very high cost of entry because in order to process large amounts of data to chew through that, you need big investments in servers, in storage, in networking, in people, in experts who can do all these things. So that cost of entry is really high. When you're using cloud, it removes a lot of these barriers because what you're doing in effect is renting a bit of somebody else's compute. So if we take Google Cloud, for example, some of the things that we've done in there, we've created a lot of the services and we've built them and these are the things that we've run on Google. And this is how we built the platform. So you can leverage some of the learnings and techniques that we've done and use those within your systems. If we take the Vision API, for example, you'll all have used um, Google Images and done searches through there. And what we're doing is we're labeling and we're searching for images. You can start to feed your own images into there and then feed them in and get the information out to search and start to manage that. You can take a picture and it will return the location, for example, of where that is. And you don't have to build that and design that and, and work out how to do this in order to make your applications work. You just rent them and as a pay-as-you-go model. Thanks, Alex. Um, Richard, what do you think are some of the key differences between normal data and geospatial data? Should we be treating geospatial data differently to other data? That's a very good question, and it's one that's uh, really comes across my desk on a number of times. 
really the easiest way to describe it is uh, if you think of a simple piece of data like an address, so this would be your address, 123 Smith Street, let's say. Um, that's very, very different from what we, we would consider a GPS position. So this would be uh, a set position somewhere on Earth. And that, that really encapsulates the difference between the two. The address can change, your house can move, someone can rename everything. But the GPS position doesn't move. It is as, as it was, and it always will be, at that position. But things get even more complicated if we uh, look at a simple thing like a point. And that's probably the base part of data that we use in geospatial. Um, it just has, it's a specific point. It's, it's in one place. But you've got lines, started introducing a line. A line is a, uh, is a concept of something between two points. Then you start getting into calculation issues such as uh, distance. Um, it, the line might have a break in it, like you'd have a street that turns a corner. And again, that can increase the distance between the two points. There's also uh, even more complications in this when you start looking at what we call polygons. Polygons probably best described as a set of points which are joined together. And they have a whole set of uh, items such as the area. Um, and you, you might have to do a query to say is, is, is a point within that polygon or outside that polygon. Um, we also... As, as you see, as the, as the complexities get higher, the, uh, the amount of data required to store those becomes uh, much greater. And a lot of the databases these days are specifically tuned to, those, to do those calculations for you. So a lot of the technology available in, uh, in Earth, in Google, there would be a BigQuery. Uh, they have uh, another database technology called Firestore. Uh, they also have managed services like Postgres. All of these databases actually have specific functionality um, designed to optimize and leverage specifically geospatial data. So can you guys give our listeners some examples of industries that would work frequently with geospatial data? Yeah, so you've got your traditional industries, things like government, etc., that will look at boundaries, and this is where people are for things like town planning. Then you've got things like tracking things like Uber that have been built on like the ride-sharing industry. How do we move something or someone from A to B? And you've also got then what we're looking for in consumers where we're after more information and more visual information of where things are in the world. If you think a good example would be the Domino's Pizza Tracker. So you know that you've ordered it and years ago we just wait for it to arrive. Now you want to see exactly where it is. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, companies, and I suppose there's, there's a few that you probably wouldn't expect. And one would be uh, maybe the insurance companies. So the insurance companies are using uh, geospatial data an awful lot more now. So they would say things like your, your, the position of your house, uh, what is the elevation, how high is it in there, uh, is it susceptible to uh, flood, is it susceptible to rain. And they're actually getting geospatial data from various sources um, and basically projecting that into the future to assess your risk. Um, there's an interesting story of uh, a company in India who which actually, uh, if you, you, they have micro loans out there where you can go in and uh, apply for a loan for a small amount. Um, the, the broker will actually bring up satellite information and look at the, 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 the land, the farm. They can actually tell over a certain number of years how well the crop is growing. And they can assess then to say whether you're a good farmer or not. And you can end up being approved or uh, rejected based on that. Right. That's, that's really interesting. And um, 
given that we've just discussed these industries and, and maybe how geospatial data is, is used there, what are some of the obstacles these industries would face when it comes to working with that data? I think one of the biggest challenges that we, that we see a lot is what we call time to value. So you've got all this information, all this data there, but it's big. These are big files that we're working with. There's large areas that we're looking at. Uh, and how long does it take to process this? So if you need that information quickly, you've got this huge investment you've got to make in order to process and get this information done. And there's a large amount of time and effort and the skills required to get that done. So that could take you an iteration of a piece of work. Like, where are we going to dig a hole for the mining industry to, to do some assessments? This might take six months to go through and process this data. And then if you get it wrong, you've then got to go through the whole process again. So in order to reduce that time, the, the capital investment I think you're going to make is very large. Yeah, another, um, another issue, of course, is, uh, is visualization. So once you get these large pieces of information and you, you end up with a result, simply placing it on, the, on a map can sometimes be quite daunting. Um, and being able to get good insights from the information is difficult. Um, you will find that staff training is always a problem. A lot of the technology for uh, processing and, and visualization at the moment uh, is very specialized and quite proprietary. So um, you might find a staff member who's really good at one product, but you know to, to translate that into uh, another product can take quite a bit of time. And it's one of the key, I think, advantages you get with uh, with the Google offerings is they're they're pretty um, set a standard way you interface with them. So the Google Cloud Platform, it, there's a lot of different products and services within that. There's, there's a lot there, isn't there, Alex? So when it comes to geospatial data and how these companies are using it, what products and services does Google Cloud Platform have to support geospatial data? Yeah, you're right. There is a lot of products and seems to be new ones every week. But you'll find for a lot of the products that there are, there's some key processes that go through. The, the biggest thing you'll need is somewhere to put that data. Uh, and within Google Cloud Storage, so it's an object-based store. It's it's not quite infinitely scalable, but it, you're not going to see the same limitations. You can put all the data there that you need and the processing power that you get from there, the speed that you'll get to it. And you can have that data there for as long as you need, archive that off and keep that in. Then when we look at when do we need to start thing, doing things like transforming that data, understanding that data, we can start to look at things like data flow. Um, and running services on Kubernetes, so Google Kubernetes Engine, which are all managed services. So you don't need to kind of look at the underlying infrastructure and how that's managed. You just care that you have some data. You need to store it somewhere. You can put that in cloud storage. You have some data you need to process. You don't need to care how many servers, how many CPUs, how much memory I need, all these kind of things. You can do things like data flow to look and assess and transform that data and aggregate and process. And then one of the things we're seeing a lot more commonly now is BigQuery being used with the GIS information. So you can start to take the data, process that in BigQuery. One of the key advantages, again, is it's serverless, so you don't need to design and build a data warehouse and look at the analysis of these different products. And in six months' time, when your data set's changed, how do I make this bigger? How do I resize that? You store your data, and you pay for the storage. And when you run queries, you pay for the queries. So it's a very simple, scalable method. It scales, and we can scale search through approximately a petabyte in about 60 seconds. So it's very quick to kind of get those results back and actually get some value out of that information. Yeah, the, we, recently we put together a proof of concept on the Google Cloud Platform, which used the BigQuery. But what we used um, for visualization was uh, Google Maps 
and we're able to leverage an awful lot of the information and the, the quick, fast processing that we get within BigQuery to to do things like projections. So we 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 got uh, we got information from about 160,000 um, uh, offices. Then we estimated what their power consumption would be. And then we were able to use machine learning on that information to dynamically draw a, an image on, a, on the map and basically run an estimate of what we think the uh, power consumption would be. And the results are quite, quite good. So what do you guys think a business should be looking for when they're embarking on a geospatial project? I think one of the main things is really understanding the complexities. So it seems very simple, and a lot of people, when they start these, they, they think geospatial is just the same as normal data. It shouldn't make any difference, but it, it does, and it's quite complicate, uh, complicated. And um, it, in order to really gain insights from that data, you have to understand those complexities. Um, what I'd recommend is really is, is look to other companies in your industry sector um, or your vertical and just see what, what they're doing. If they're leveraging the data, you'll probably be leveraging the data in pretty much the same way. Um, also, it's very important to, um, to get partners involved, so uh, get, getting consultants, getting specialists who, who have knowledge in this area and have, who can give you good uh, understanding of, of where you can leverage that information and how we can get the most out of it. Yeah, so to add to that, as Richard said, like making sure you've got a good partner so you've got the right skill set who understands location-based services and the complexities that come with that. And also then when you're looking at what you, how that's going to sit and how that's going to run, ensuring that you're not increasing complexity by having services you've got to look after. So one of the advantages, again, with the cloud platform, it takes away of a lot of that infrastructure you need to worry about and how are you going to do this and how are you going to build that so then you can actually focus on trying to solve the problem that you're trying to do. And where's a good place for people to start looking at Google location-orientated data services? So one of the good places to start getting some information on there is you can go to the developers' website, so developers.google.com, if you go forward slash maps. There's a bunch of documentation in there which will give you some information about how to start leveraging this as well. And also around cloud.google.com, there's a lot of information through there. One good thing that we do, all our documentation is online. You'll see a lot of code labs and things you can work through. Yeah, there's, there's lots. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, meetups, technical meetups, so uh, just social aspects, just talking to people who are in the same industry. So there's some really good, uh, there's a Google uh, Perth meetup, which uh, is I'd highly recommend people to go to. Uh, there's plenty of other meetups for specifically in uh, for processing large data sets, and that would be involved in Kubernetes and GIS topics in general. There's, uh, there's quite a uh, diverse set of uh, GIS-based uh, meetups available. Uh, regards to podcasts, if uh, if you're that way inclined, there's a very spatial podcast which I'll I'll send a I'll give you the notes to that or the links to that in the show notes. Um, there's also a good one called uh, Speaking of GIS. It's a bit older, hasn't been updated for a while, but some of the the, the archives they have there are good speakers from uh, from past um, conferences, and there's a good one called Mapscaping. Um, it's American based, but it is quite good for uh, just keeping abreast of what's happening. And as, uh, as Alex said, uh, the blogs and the data analytics uh, blog from Google is, is very good for keeping up to date. Great. So if we've got listeners right now who have heard what Alex and Richard have been saying and they're thinking, wow, I really want to get started using Google Cloud Platform or I have this geospatial data and I want to have a bit of a play around, where can they go to get more information yeah, it's a really straightforward way to get started. Let's say cloud.google.com. 
you can register on there and just sign up through the platform. You'll get $300 credit, which lasts for 12 months, so it's not like a 30-day expires. So you've got plenty of time. There's also the free tier within there, so there's a number of services that you can run. Things like BigQuery, there's a lot of public data sets available, so you can start to play with those and look at the visualizations. So it's really good to kind of start getting forward on there. There's also training partners like Coursera, where you can go online. They'll have things that you can look at to learn more about some of the specifics of the platform. And also some of the blogs that Richard mentioned earlier, and again, talking to our partners like NGIS. Okay, awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. That's all we've got time for. We'll be including some useful links for the resources mentioned today. So if you want to know more about Google Cloud or follow up on any of the resources that were mentioned, just head on over to the podcast page on the website. Also, if you have a geospatial project you want to chat about with NGIS, just get in touch. If you want to listen to more episodes of Location Matters, simply just subscribe to the channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. You've been listening to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. To find more episodes or to read our blog, check out our website, ngis.com.au.